0: Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring, one minute at a time. I'm Norman Mitchell.
1: And I'm Cassandra Frederickson.
0: And today we're going to be talking about Minute 41, which starts with the end of the line from last week, uh, who knew that Bilbo had the ring, and ends with, but through me, talking, Gandalf, uh, Gandalf saying. saying both of these lines. Uh, and the end of the minute is him talking about what would happen if Frodo gave him the ring. Yep. He would uh, he would use this ring, from a desire to do good, but through me, dot dot dot.
1: <laughs> we'll find out tomorrow.
0: Yeah, we'll find out. We'll find out the rest of that sentence tomorrow. I find I find this scene interesting from just the structure of the movie standpoint, because there is actually no showing of any power the ring has other than the ability to turn invisible, and talk, and talk, it it can whisper. (laughs) So when Gandalf says, I would use this ring out of a desire to do good, that implies the ring has powers that we haven't seen. And honestly, we never see.
1: Well, in the prologue, I mean, Mm -hmm. isn't it?
0: It's implied to be like the source of Sauron's great strength. Right.
1: Isn't it emboldening Sauron's, you know.
0: Mace throwing? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's what the prologue kind of implies. Uh, And I think it's interesting to note that part of why Gandalf can probably use other powers of the ring in the first place is because he already can use magic.
1: Right. Because he's the same kind of being as Right. So
0: he would have access to different abilities through the ring, I guess. He'd be able to kind of play with the magical energy that put it together. Yeah. And uh, from there... He could probably do all sorts of things, just like uh, how Elrond has a ring of power. He could manipulate water and the the weather around Rivendell. Mm -hmm. So it would be kind of interesting to see what someone like Gandalf could do with the ring, like what other powers the ring has. Because I'm not sure that that's ever fully explored in Tolkien's work to begin with.
1: Well, I mean, the ring is also meant to be more of a unspoken horror i think yeah uh one that you know has this very bloody history and you don't necessarily need to know what it does to know that it's dangerous
0: like this is this is bad leave it alone
1: right yeah
0: i mean uh at the time of lord of the rings publication a lot of people kind of treated the work and the ring itself as almost an allegory for like nuclear weaponry
1: Right, but he doesn't like allegory.
0: Right, but he doesn't like allegory. He's very <laughs> against allegory.
1: Which is funny, because I'm just like, oh, well, this is a metaphor for this, and the ring is a metaphor for mental illness. And... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Tolkien. Da, 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 da.
0: In the ground, Tolkien is just like, stop doing that.
1: <laughs> you English majors.
0: <laughs> stop interpreting my work. It right. just is what it is. Right. <laughs> Which is funny, because he's an English professor, and he was very much against, like, the wide interpretation of English works.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Different strokes, I guess. Different
0: strokes. Different generations. Yeah. Us millennials.
1: <laughs> he had no good kids. I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you no good kids and your allegories.
0: Right. Uh, this uh, this minute's kind of cool too. We get, we get to see Frodo being very hobbity. As soon as he finds out someone else knows the ring is there, he's just like, you take it. Can I make this your problem? This is your problem.
1: I would do that too. Right. I don't want this. I wash my hands of this. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of hands. Um I noticed that cuz in this in this uh, minute we see uh Gollum being tortured yes. in Mordor and we're approaching the 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 rack or whatever it is yeah. he's on uh from a like a far off angle and then you get that scene where his hands are like writhing. But as as the camera is moving closer, the hands that are up in the air, writhing, are not digitally touched up. Like no. they're just they're just straight up human hands.
0: They're just like, bah!
1: and then and then we get the computer animated ones. Yeah, which
0: it's really easy to miss, though.
1: Yeah, it is very. But my job is not to miss it.
0: It's true. <laughs> but it's a very easy to miss detail. I
1: mean, because we're looking for
0: little details, stuff
1: like that. Yeah,
0: we're trying to comb the minute.
1: Right, but I thought that was really funny. And who who is that guy supposed to be? The one that gets chopped in half by the ringwraiths is that I supposed don't know. to be? Is that like the mayor of Hobbiton? I don't know.
0: I honestly have no idea.
1: Did did Hobbiton just lose its mayor?
0: Yes, yes.
1: Because <laughs> he lost wearing, its mayor. He's wearing, you know, a top hat. Like he's got a pocket watch chain. He's got the nice, fancy vest and the the blazer, the soup jacket.
0: Yeah, but I don't think they're in Hobbiton at that point.
1: That's true. They're They're just somewhere
0: in the Shire. They're still
1: in the Shire.
0: Yeah. But some poor Hobbit got his head chopped off. Yeah. You know, whenever I remember that scene, when I think about the movie, I imagine that there's, like, a scene from, there's, like, a shot from behind of that head, like, leaving, kind of comically. Oh, my God. Like Life. like a mannequin, but I know it's not there. Like every time I think of that scene, though, I think of like other scenes in movies like that, mm-hmm. where like someone gets their head chopped off, and you see the scene from behind of like the head kind of separating, but it's obviously a mannequin. Yeah, and I always imagine that that scene is that that happens here, but it doesn't, because anytime I remember like that sort of like head choppy scene, that's the first thing I picture.
1: But then it would be rated R.
0: Not necessarily. Not if there's no blood.
1: There'd be there there would be blood.
0: You don't have to put blood in,
1: but there would be yes because it's like yes it's fantasy but it's also up to this point it's fairly realistic fantasy and i think throughout the whole movie they try and ground it in some realism like some gritty you know aragorn's character is really gritty yeah so they try and balance all the the kooky magic with
0: (laughs) the kooky magic
1: yeah i mean there's like you know Elves, yeah, tiny people, rings of magic that can talk to you, like <laughs> a giant fire eye.
0: <laughs> yeah, a so, great lidless eye.
1: I was curious if uh, some of Gandalf's um, dialogue towards the end there came from the book, because I mean, of course, it came from the book, but just like how much of it did. Um, and cause I couldn't remember if Frodo does offer him the ring, uh, but he does. Um, and Gandalf doesn't phrase it exactly like he does in the movie because I feel like in the book, the characters, the characters all have a very specific way of speaking and they're all very similar. Yeah. Except for Tom Babadook. Right. Um,
0: We'll get to him next week or the week after.
1: Right. But the dialogue is much stiffer and, you know, it's, it's very, like, upper crust British. Um,
0: well, that makes sense.
1: And, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. But you know how in more modern novels the author will attempt or make an effort to... Write dialogue in such a way that even if you don't have the signifier of someone speaking, you can tell who's speaking. Yeah, for the most part. And, like, be that, like, an accent or just a specific, like, a a way of phrasing stuff. Yeah. But I feel like in Lord of the Rings, people just phrase things exactly the same.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's all very, um, it's all very stereotypical, like, fantasy speak.
1: Right. It's all very overblown. And
0: Uh, this great peril that we must overcome. Right, right. Bloody blue, blah, 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 (laughs) the enemy, the enemy, the enemy.
1: Yeah. So, but I like that they, they, they do keep some of it, uh, because in the book Gandalf does say, you know, don't tempt me, um, you know, I dare not take it, uh, and stuff like that. But as opposed to this, which is like a few lines and with Frodo interjecting um in the book it's is just like a a paragraph of gandalf saying no. no no girl no no i i dare not blah 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 uh, i cannot
0: accept this gift no frodo i will not marry you
1: <laughs> what
0: he's offering him a ring
1: take it <laughs> um i can't i also like the thinking of the ring as like a symbol again I like that it's also a temptation. So I guess that would also feed into the...
0: The, like, drug addiction reading. Yeah. Which is a very common one.
1: Right. I mean...
0: It's like, hey, Gandalf, do you want this heroin? You can have this heroin.
1: He's, like, eating his toffee. He's like, (laughs) ha! No. Don't tempt me. (laughs) Even if they had kept the toffee at that point, like, Frodo could just be holding out his pipe and Gandalf would just be like, ah! Don't tempt me. I dare not.
0: I would use this from a desire to do good.
1: <laughs> it like fly- there's like a cutaway scene to him just smoking and and like you know, uh, like constructing more fireworks. this <laughs> yes. weird little wizard workshop.
0: Where is his weird little wizard workshop? I don't know. What's it made of? What is Gandalf's address?
1: He doesn't have one.
0: He just wanders.
1: He slept on the ground for six months. The
0: wandering wizard. But like, if UPS needed to get a package to Gandalf, where would it go?
1: Well, wouldn't it go to the, the guy in Bree?
0: I guess, yeah.
1: He's probably got like five different addresses. He's like, I'm going to be in Rohan, so I'll send it to that guy. Um, and then let's see, he like consults his pocketbook and he's like, okay, so next five months I'm going to be over here. So any mail that I need can be picked up in you know, Rivendell and, <laughs> and then Elrond, El- El- Elrond's just like, oh, Mithrandir, here's, a- here's your mail. And there's just like a giant stack of like scrolls mm-hmm. and he's just like, oh, you're a real I- pal. You're a real pal, Elrond.
0: <laughs> I had to forge your signature every time. <laughs> right.
1: He was very persistent. I don't think he believed me.
0: And yet, here's three years' worth of your mail. Those
1: darn UPS men.
0: <laughs> I hope nothing in there was terribly important. Right.
1: <laughs> that would suck to just, you know, be the keeper of Gandalf's mail. Right. Who I guess knows it's when like he's going to be. like the primary out.
0: function of Barl, uh, Barl Butterman.
1: Who's Who else? I mean, um, what's that bear dude? Bjorn. Bjorn. Bayorn? Bayorn? Bjorn.
0: <laughs> Bjorn.
1: Bayorn, I think.
0: Beorn. Pronunciation is hard.
1: Radagast keeps getting... Gandalf left male with Radagast one time, but then... Never he, again. It... Yeah, he never got it. it. got
0: eaten. <laughs> it got eaten. It got turned into a nest. Whatever you, whatever you feel.
1: Alright, is there anything else you wanted to talk about in this minute?
0: Uh, I really like the way that the... Like the camera work is done flipping back and forth between Frodo and Gandalf in this. And yeah. then I like the way that the ring is just slightly off center.
1: Yeah, it it it, it builds uh tension. Yeah. And I like that the ring is just kind of looming off to the side. Yeah. Um, kind of fueling this panic and tension as the scene progresses and
0: yeah, the music's really well done, yeah as always thank you howard short
1: i really like that it feels like we're finally going somewhere
0: you know 41 minutes in oh god <laughs> the exposition train pulled into the station
1: and now it's getting ready to leave
0: it's building up some steam. <laughs> um loading up and getting ready to get out of this little town
1: yeah for sure
0: below this popsicle stand as it were
1: i don't know if i have anything else We'll have more to talk about tomorrow, I think.
0: Yeah, we'll probably have a bit more to talk about tomorrow. You mentioned the the hands thing on the rack. And I remember because it was, you know, 15 years ago when mm-hmm. I was a child, mm-hmm. that it took me a very long time to realize that the hands on the rack that were golems
1: mm-hmm.
0: were a digital effect. I thought that they were like rubber models for the longest time.
1: Oh, the close-up on that? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Because they do look very, very realistic for the most part. They look... Not like real hands, but like a real object.
1: Yeah. I think it's just off enough. Yeah. Um, but it, the the technology has aged well.
0: It definitely has.
1: Um, and
0: they, they're very careful in this first movie not to show off a lot of technology in the digital effects department until we get to the Balrog. So the Balrog feels really special. Mm-hmm. Because we don't see any, like, big, fully and the, digital effects. the Cave Troll. And the Cave Troll.
1: I mean, the Cave Troll started out as a model, but, you know, using the model as a, you know, as a design thing, and then they animated it.
0: Well, they did some of the same thing with the Balrog, but the Balrog's very different in that it's covered in fire. fire right. And that's very difficult to pull off.
1: Yeah. Did they have a... S- a section in the appendices about the Balrog. I I know there's that whole thing about the cave troll. They go into the cave troll at length.
0: They don't go into as much detail as about the uh, about the Balrog, but they do show you like the the like the six foot model and stuff.
1: Right, and they and talk they talk about, about
0: the running down the stairs yeah, and the bridge of do the
1: design and how they did the fire and all yeah. that. Stuff. I guess yeah, I guess they do go into detail, which we'll talk about, you know, in two hours.
0: But it's really to this movie's credit that they really held back on the digital effects for so long Mm. until, you know, the end of this near the end of the second act, really.
1: I think that really helps its timelessness, too. Yeah. Because, I mean, some of the effects are a little cheesy or noticeable. Yeah. Um,
0: Mostly like eyes on some of the orcs.
1: Yeah. Some of the the blue screen like we talked about last week or the green screen. Uh, yeah. With the size comparisons for The Hobbits and yeah,
0: they, Yeah, how they occasionally just look a little off.
1: Yeah. But other than that, there's not really anything that dates this movie. No, not really. Um, that we've seen so far.
0: Like, if this was made in, like, the 80s, all the blue screen would have been so absurdly obvious. You're right. It would have been I so don't bad.
1: even so Because he specifically talks about having to invent some of the technology in order to make this movie. Right. So,
0: I mean, following in the footsteps of like, uh, like George Lucas in a way. Right. Having to invent certain certain camera tricks and editing techniques to make things work.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But you know, Peter's dealing with the computer age, and right. there's a whole lot more going on.
1: Um, well, I think that about wraps it up for today.
0: Yeah, I think it just about does. So you can find us at duelinggenre.com. Email us at contact at com, at lotrminute on Twitter, lotrminute.tumblr.com. We're on Facebook, where we have a page group and a listener group. If you want access to the listener group, all you have to do is add us and we'll approve you. You should leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It's like the best thing you can do for a podcast is trying to get on its feet. You should listen to The Doctor's Companion with Cassandra and our two previous guests, Scott and Nick.
1: If you're into Doctor Who. If
0: you're into Doctor Who. Or if not, because <laughs> they're funny people and it's fun to listen to. Thanks. Uh, Scott and Nick also host Back to the Future Minute. The three of them also write uh, Geek by Night, as well as produce. And direct. And direct. Et cetera. And we have a new podcast joining us on... Today. Today. It, the first episode is up. Yep. You should all listen to it as well, because Harry Potter is cool, and it's Harry Potter Minute. (laughs) And you should support us if you are willing to, and can, at uh, duelinggenre.com slash support for our Patreon. There's also a one-time donation button on the site, and hopefully we'll have merchandise by Christmas.
1: We're working on
0: it. We're working on it. (laughs) Two thumbs way, way up. And as always, special thanks to our Patreon associate producer, Leaper182.
1: Have a good Monday.
0: Have a great Monday.